Well, hello everybody. This is the first episode of the Big Boy Gaming Show. We're going to cover video game, video game related news, what I'm playing, what I'm looking forward to, and any questions y'all have for me, I would be happy to answer. Since this is the first episode, I'm going to do some stuff about myself. I'm 40 years old. And I received my first console at five years old. It had Mario Brothers. I remember getting off of the school bus and seeing my father play it and asking him what's that. And he told me it was a video game. And I've been hooked just about ever since. I remember the first time I beat the first level of the Super Mario Brothers game. And it was a personal achievement. Something I knew I could do. On the NES, I'd played many other games. Uh, Mega Man 2, my uncle had bought. I absolutely adored it. I remember running Mario Brothers 2 and playing it to the point where my thumbs actually hurt. I had Mario Brothers 2 and Excitebot over the night, and it was the first time I had thumb-induced pain from playing video games. On my eighth birthday, I was taken to Chuck E. Cheese to eat pizza and play on the balls and everything. And when I got home, my father had purchased Mario Brothers 3, and it's still one of my favorite games. Uh, before we got rid of the NES and moved on to other consoles, my father had bought Metroid for the NES. Uh, $5 at a yard sale, which was amazing and it was one of the first times that a video game actually made me uneasy and I had a great aunt get me Metal Gear for Christmas one year when she came up from Florida. When we got a little bit older we received a Sega Genesis for Christmas. Uh, we had received Sonic the Hedgehog, Pat Riley's Basketball, Joe Montana football. That was the main three games we had. Now we had played several other ones, but it was a different. It was a different level. Uh, we still have Panic Attack from uh, the drowning music from Sonic the Hedgehog. That was a very tense time in our lives, and we moved shortly after, uh, not too far from where we were living. But I had a next door neighbor that introduced me to uh, Street Fighter. And one of the last games we had had on the Genesis was Vector Man. My brother received it for his birthday, and it was pretty cool. I remember seeing Sonic and Knuckles, and we were begging for Sonic and Knuckles for Christmas. Like, I just went on and on about it. I really wanted that thing. And then, like I said, we had moved. And the first Christmas at our new place, we had gotten a uh, Super Nintendo. We had the uh, Super Mario World slash All-Stars uh, Super Nintendo and they had bought us Donkey Kong as well with it. Uh, really some of uh, you couldn't get better games honestly like those games I can still go back and play and my best friend uh, from school introduced me to uh, Killer Instinct Mortal Kombat, and uh, the very first RPG I ever played on the Super Nintendo was Super Mario RPG. It was 
fascinating because I've never seen anything like it. The Super Nintendo is a beloved console. Uh, but there was many others on that one. We had eventually got around to playing like the uh, Legend of Zelda and uh, many, many others. Play Fighters. We, me and my buddy from school, we were really big in fighting games. As we got older, we had got an internet uh, compatible PC. Uh, the very first uh, game I ever played online was Diablo. I remember my uncle uh, came over and got it going and connected us online. And I remember seeing a chalice filling up with blood slowly. And I asked him what it was doing, and he said it's updating the game or whatever. That's the first time I'd ever heard those words, and it's kind of stuck with me. Jumping from console to PC was a big difference. The PC was a lot harder at the time, I think, for us because we wasn't familiar with the controls. I remember us, as in me and my brother, having a hard time with the butcher, and we would try to trap him in a room and shut the door and shoot him through the door with arrows. Uh, we had also had the Warcraft 2 and uh, Starcraft, and we're still very big fans of those. Uh, later on, we had received, or actually my sister received, an Nintendo 64 for Christmas. The only game she had had with it was Diddy Kong Racing, which is still one of our all-time favorites. We 100%ed it back then. We unlocked TT and uh, everything. We got a PlayStation 1 for Christmas. The only game I remember us having at launch was Need for Speed and uh, like a demo disc where you can hit the L1 and R1 button and it would flip over and there'd be more games we could play. It was a fascinating time but I mean with the PlayStation 1 uh, we had our first taste of Resident Evil, uh, Final Fantasy 7, uh, Twisted Metal, my buddy introduced me to, and Twisted Metal 2 was the very first game I stayed up all night playing. When I finally fell asleep, I could still hear the France or Eiffel Tower music in the background. It was it was a very good game. Uh, he had uh, Battle Arena Toshiden, and uh, Silent Hill on a demo disc was the first game where I actually felt dread playing one. I'm a big fan of that Silent Hills. And my buddy turned me on to Tekken. My love for Metal Gear Solid was... It's still one of my favorite games of all time. The series in general, I, it's hard to rank them. Uh, he... We had a foster home brother at the time. And he worked at a movie store, and he told me that Metal Gear was a perfect rental. And I have to agree with him, because we could get Metal Gear and beat that thing in a day. On the PlayStation 2, uh, of course, the Metal Gear Solid 2 and 3, even though 2 sort of made me mad, because, you know, we started off with Snake, and then we were playing with this long haired, slightly feminine guy for the rest of the game. It felt like a big old bait and switch. Tekken Tag. My buddy had Tekken Tag and he had the uh, Ready to Rumble 2 Boxing. 
he didn't have a memory card at the time and we would do a lot of battling and stuff like that but we really liked the uh, bowling mode and yeah it's been so long since i play it but i knew we had to put a lot of effort into unlocking the bowling mode and we could not turn the system off because if we did, we would lose all the progress, so we would have to leave it running the entire time. Uh, Shadow of the Colossus 2 was on the PS2, and it was in my top five games of all time for a long time. Uh, when I moved out the house, I couldn't afford a PS2, so I went to one of those rent-to-own companies and rented me one. And the games I played on that thing, when Grand Theft Auto 3 came out, me and some friends had stayed up playing that thing almost two days straight. The graphics processor had to go out on it because it started showing these trippy colors. All the lights were bleeding together. And when I shut the PlayStation down and cut it back on, it didn't work. I just simply returned it. I also had purchased a GameCube shortly afterwards, and the GameCube was one of my favorite systems. There were so many bangers on the GameCube. Eternal Darkness, me and my brother still talk about that one. The Smash Brothers game that was on there. Resident Evil 4 was groundbreaking. Uh, it received a lot of high praise, and I respect it and understand, but there was something about it that it wasn't in... It wasn't my cup of tea. I still like Resident Evil, but 4 was kind of weird. But Rogue Squadron, the Star Wars games, uh, some of my favorite. Wind Waker, I still think to this day, Wind Waker's game has aged phenomenally. The final battle in there, too, is one of the favorite I've ever seen. Pikmin games was something new I'd never seen. Nintendo was still innovating at the time, and Animal Crossing, uh, the getting out and having your own place, like this feeling of isolation and doing your own thing, it really hit home at the time. Metroid Prime, when that one came out, I could swear that that was the best graphics on any console at the time. I don't think anything looked as well as it. It runs smooth. It was just a really well polished, had wonderful boss fights, and the whole package was uh, sold me on the GameCube. It really did. Now, I do like the Xbox. I have a lot of respect for the Xbox. Halo games were great. Gears of War and Oblivion were two of my favorite things that were released on the xbox we played this oblivion tried walking around the islands it was just this madly big world where you can go and do anything it was it was different we didn't have access to things like that at the time you know it was uh really got its uh hooks in us and Gears of War, I still play that from time to time. Actually, me and my partner do co-op on Gears of War. We enjoy it. But I guess I've always been more of a Nintendo and Sony fan because a lot of the Xbox games never really spoke to me other than, you know, Cliffy B's entry. We had the PS3 for a while. Uh, 
the big thing I remember for it was the last of us and some of the dead spaces, but it was sort of hit and miss. Everybody was playing Call of Duty. I was there when the first Call of Duty came out. I remember playing it and thinking about how wonderful it was and the multiplayer really had its hooks on us. It really did. Uh, uh, a little bit prior, the Tom Clancy Rainbow Six Vegas games came out and they had like progression and stuff like that. And I really think the Call of Duty series expanded on the progression and sped up the game a lot and stuff like that. It was uh, uh, it was a good time to be. And then we're going to talk more about um, we're going to talk more about Call of Duty here in a minute. Excuse me. PC. Uh, Right out of high school, you know, I played a lot of Diablo 2 online. It was very addicting, you know, getting out there, doing the grind, doing the ball runs and stuff at the time. Just having a blast with it. And I remember after it, uh, EverQuest really got its hooks in me. Me and my brother and my buddy, we would meet up online and we would kill fire beetles. And at the time, the it was the moon expansion that just came out. It has been so long, like Lucillen. I'm not entirely sure what it was called, but you could go to the portal and wait there a few minutes, the spires, and it would teleport you to the moon. Had a bazaar where people sold stuff. We played all the way past Planes of Power, I think, and we were doing some in-game raiding. I'd played a ranger at the time. It was fun. I met a lot of cool people, and I still have interactions and stuff. I remember from that time. My father played it, and my uncle did before he passed. The same uncle that had set up our Diablo on the PC. After EverQuest, uh, Doom, and World of Warcraft. I have a priest on World of Warcraft. Now, I haven't played WoW in probably two expansions. But my priest has over a year of playtime on him. There has been, he was there, I'd played in the beta. Like we had to go to File Planet or whatever and give them money and they would give us a beta code where we could play. I knew then when I was playing the beta how special the game was going to be. And day one when the game came out, I rolled a troll priest and he was healing spec. It was very expensive to change your talents. It was a long grind. Stranglethorn Veil was painful. It was ganked every five seconds ganked. It was good. I remember the guild I was running went then. I had the world or the server first benediction and anathema. I think I'm saying that right or whatever. We played that one. All the way through Burning Crusade before I started taking time off and coming back for an expansion and time off. The last one I played was... Hmm, was it Warlords of Draenor, I think, really? I haven't really touched it since then. The community seems to be lost on that game. They added a bunch of stuff like Dungeon Finders. Back then we had to go back to Agrimir and shout that we're needing one person. And then you had to run from Agrimir, or fly from Agrimir to your dungeon. It took a lot of time. 
lot of time, but it was good time spent there. I don't think my time was wasted. So, I'm going to give y'all my top five games of all time. Now, this list fluctuates from time to time. Sometimes nostalgia will make a game rank a little bit higher. Sometimes a new game will come out and bust up the whole system together. But thinking hard about it today before the podcast, my number one was The Last of Us. When that one came out, the combat was brutal. The animations, the story, you know it's a good game or it has a good story that years after you play the game, you still remember how it ends. Now, I played several games at a time. This thing, uh, I can think three or four games back and not remember anything about the story because it didn't grip me that way. But The Last of Us has stuck with me for years. And this is PS3 days. My next one is the Metal Gear Solid series. I couldn't throw a single Metal Gear Solid up there. I don't think it would do fair. Each game... I've had this discussion several times with my brother and other friends, but each game could stand on its own merits. Metal Gear 1 was a brand new espionage game, a sneaking game. The way they went about it was wonderful. It was almost like playing a movie at the time with the set pieces, the dialogue, the cutscenes, the big picture. Metal Gear 2 when it came out, I remember the graphics just being unbelievable. The way the lights, the flashlights on the gun when you held it on the enemy or whatever, casted shadows in the background. Just the overall textures, the way it played. Now, it gets a negative point for having to play with Raiden the whole time. I don't hate Raiden anymore, really, but you wanted to play with Snake. You was bait and switched. You didn't get to play with Snake like you wanted to. Metal Gear 3 is probably my favorite of all time. That's a decisive game. Some people didn't like the camouflage system. Having to stop what you're doing, open a menu, go through more menus, select this thing, and then backing out the menus and being able to continue the game. But I really did enjoy it. It gave you a feel of like you was there by yourself. You had to survive off the land and live in this hostile territory it's my favorite the weakest one out of the series i think was metal gear solid 4 now the active camo was cool i think that the fact that you was actively trying to sneak through like a war zone or a battlefield to get to the other side you could see these conflicts in the background all that stuff was neat but man he's an old man who wants to play with an old man snake they want to tease us about Snake. You don't even get to, you get to look at him and play with him on the tanker a little bit in Metal Gear 2. Uh, Metal Gear 3 is young Snake or whatever. It's a different situation. You're wanting this battle-hardened modern Snake, and then now you're playing with this old man that when somebody makes an old man joke, you take a little damage. And the Metal Gear 5 was a technical achievement. It seemed like a like a sandbox arcade war sim 
you could call in the helicopters to do strikes. I mean, you had these companions that all did different things and stuff like that. It is a very close second in the Metal Gear series. Uh, my number three game of all time is Titanfall 2. If you have never played this game, you've probably seen it mentioned from time to time. The feel of the mechs, some of the combat in the game flows so smoothly. The controls are so snappy. It just, it, it, it's, it's the real deal. It's worth checking out. Now, I never played the online. I heard recently that they just got the servers back up and you can play and stuff like that. But uh, the people who are still playing that game are not the people I want to play against. I'm not trying to get on uh, get online and get humbled for half a day. That just that does something to the self-esteem Doom series is my number four. I mean, I was there when the original Doom came out. Doom 2. Oh, and then the is it D Zone? My buddy had uh, old school Apple or Mac or some sort of computer or whatever, and I remember him having to open up a command prompt, type a slash, whatever, run Doom, and it would pull up, and he would control Doom guy, and I would hit the control button to kill the demons when they lined up. That's how we played it, man. That was it, and we had Doom two on floppy disk. For our computer. Same one we played Diablo 1. Starcraft on. It was a different time. And even these days. The newer Doom games. Uh, Doom 3 was great. I remember that game being terrifying. When it came out. Half-Life 2 was launched at the same. Around the same time or whatever. And I was always upset that. you know Half-Life 2 got better marks. Than Doom but going back, I understand why Half-Life 2 is, it is in a league of its own. Um, but the Doom 2016, I 100% of that was a platinum on that one. I had to get it. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed tracking down the extras. It was great. Uh, the way you unlock new abilities for your weapons was addicting to me. I got that, I got that little dopamine hit and it kept me going. And Doom Eternal, 100% in it as well, but that game, you were juggling a lot. You had to chainsaw to get this resource, you had to execute to get this resource, and then there was beeps and boots going off when different abilities were popping up. And I think I'm getting old for that stuff. It was just, when it was firing on all cylinders, I can very much see the appeal. Love the graphics. <laughs> but the combat was a little too much for me. And the fifth on my list is uh, the Mario Galaxy series. I enjoyed one and two. Uh, both were very impressive games in their own, uh, in their own standings. Uh, I don't know which one I would like better. Both of them had amazing boss fights. I mean, it was kind of easy or whatever, but... Uh, it was still a very enjoyable uh, experience from start to finish on both of them. My next part is, I'm usually going to open up the podcast with uh, things that has happened in my life. Uh, it could be like personal achievements or what's going on with me mentally. Um, you know, things I'm looking forward to and stuff like that. And, you know, for the last 
three or four weeks, I've had this really bad toothache. I went to a dentist in my 20s. I got robbed while I was delivering pizza. And the people who had robbed me had actually stomped like one of my teeth. And I broke the tooth off. So it was a molar that was next to one of my wisdom teeth. So I've never had a problem with my wisdom teeth till recently. My wisdom tooth on the other side has grown into my molar and actually cracked it. And I'm losing a little bit of sleep over it. When I got robbed and had my tooth pulled, I went and seen this dentist. And I remember him injecting me numbing my tooth up and if you're kind of squeamish about blood and stuff you might want to mute me for a few seconds but he was pushing that tool so hard down into my tooth that the chair I was in was bending backwards like it was doing this bouncing thing from the weight of force he was putting into it the tool slipped and caught my gums and slice my gums open on the left side and I'm absolutely just terrified of dentist. I know it was probably a rare fluke or something that happened, but I mean to get a tooth pool was free that day. So now for me to go to the dentist and have an extraction done or something, the fear has got to be overcome by the pain. So it's gonna be a situation where I've been up for two days straight before I'm able to actually go and have this thing removed. But it's a constant pain right now. It hovers around four or five sometimes. It got up to eight or nine the other night and there's not much that helps anymore. Our local fair is coming through. Me and my partner are looking forward to going and eating food and walking around and looking at the exhibits and talking to people we know. It's something we do every year. It's, it's a lot of fun. Uh, this weekend, I spent a lot of time with my grandsons. Uh, one turns two in the December, and the other one is about six months old. A six-month-old pretty much stays with my partner, and uh, the almost two-year-old, we went outside, and we hang out, picked up some limbs. He followed me around. He chased a dog. Uh, I wanted to ride him around on a lawnmower. I crunk it up. And his face like real pinched up real bad and you could tell he's sitting there crying he stuck his arms out looking for help and i picked him up and we stared at the lawnmower for about 30 seconds like, okay it's not gonna hurt me and i got on it stuck him in my lap and we rode all over the property and around the fields and up and down our cul-de-sac we're out in the country so uh he had a blast uh the neighbor had come by on his four-wheeler offering to ride my son on a four-wheeler now i'm six one and if i was to stand up next to this four-wheeler it would come up to my chest this is a big atv and i've seen children i work in a healthcare field i've seen kids who have been killed by four-wheelers i saw one of my first jobs they had a three-wheeler roll over his kid and he woke up with mental issues unable to feed himself and stuff like that and not to mention the fact that as I'm talking to the neighbor, I can smell the alcohol on his breath. So I'm like, nah, man, I, we don't really trust the four-wheelers. Look, he ain't even two years old. You know, the lawnmowers is slower, and I can go up and down the street. Just maybe when he's a little older, we'll take him. Um, he just really didn't want to take no for an answer. I guess, you know, he was so inebriated, he wasn't getting the point. 
And then the other thing is Thanksgiving. I live in the south. Uh, we're about an hour from the ocean, the Gulf of Mexico. And my brother is a couple hours from Chicago. And it's a big drive for us to see each other. So he won't get to join me for Thanksgiving this year. And I'm the oldest uh, member of my family alive right now. We had recently lost my father a year ago. So, and I've always kind of pushed the Thanksgiving wherever my, at least, you know, I can get friends over if there's no family around and stuff, but this year we're going to do it at the house. Um, I asked the kids what they wanted and they want turkey. I'm not a big fan of turkey. I am, I went and bought a deep fryer. Maybe I'll like deep fried turkey better. I don't know. So I could blow myself up here in the next couple of days. If I do, this is my first and last podcast. So uh, we'll see how that goes. They also asked for corn on the cob. Uh, fresh mashed potatoes, red velvet cake, and my partner's doing a pumpkin pie, and my daughter's going to bring some deviled eggs over. My son's probably just going to eat all the food, love him to death. And uh, I think that's uh, pretty much all that's going on personally in the life right now. After I go over my Last situation, I want to go into some news that I've been reading and things I picked up either on Reddit or come across an article that's interesting to me. And one of the big things uh, this year is the layoffs in the video game companies. Now, I want to start off that, you know, right now it's November 5th of 2023. This is one of the best years I remember in a very long time. For video games like there has been banger after banger i'm talking about the, the zelda game came out this year it was a blast you know we've had Baldur's gate uh, alan wake 2 spider-man it's like one thing after another this year it's been it's been wonderful i cannot afford all the games that are coming out you know there's a lot of stuff i really would like to play and with it being a such a good year for games it's just i'm not business oriented i'm not completely sure what's going on with the industry while these layoffs are coming and that my big thing is it's for the people man that's the main thing i'm worried about now i'm pulling this news here off of video game layoffs.com it was updated november 3rd of 23 this this little graph I'm reading here, it, it states in 2023, there has been an estimated of 6,500 layoffs this year. You know, the most recent one I've read about is Bungie and then that, that Destiny expansion has been pushed back to 2024. But, I mean, Take-Two Interactive, these are big names coming in here and laying off developers. So, my worry is for the Destiny layoffs, here we are just a few weeks out from the holidays. We got Thanksgiving coming up, we got Christmas coming up, and if they have laid off 6,500 people this year, uh, the market is so saturated. How do these people find jobs? How are these people going to provide for their families? Now, I know a lot of them are trying to 
take care of uh, the companies for taking care of the employees, giving them benefits, you know, extending health care and stuff like that. But there's still a lot of worry. And if there's 60, if there's 6,499 other people looking for a job in the same field that you're in, how do you separate yourself from the pack? That's a lot of competition, especially if you're coming off, you know, like Epic Games or, you know, the Embracer Group or Electronic Art. You know, hey, here's this person that worked on this big budget game or whatever that made all of this money right here. You know, how do you compete with somebody like that? Do you change, like, to an adjacent field that's, I don't know, that's suitable for your ability to work with PCs and programs and stuff like that? I have a lot of worry for these people. These people put out things that we adore. We They put out things that we can lose ourselves in and drown out the background and the burden that comes with everyday life. You know, and here are these people that put these things out for us that have questions about their future. And I fear for them. My heart's go out to them. I hope they all land on their feet and I hope they get to pursue the thing that they're passionate about. I hope they don't have to settle. But looking at the numbers, it seems like a few will have to. And other news, uh, you know, back to the Call of Duty, IGN has rated uh, Modern Warfare 3 single-player campaign a 4 out of 10. You know, they have a disclaimer said that this is only for the single-player only or whatever, but still, for a big budget game like Call of Duty to see this, this is kind of uh, bad, especially with the Activision merger and everything. You know, uh, the article was written by Simon Cardi. Uh, this is one of the first articles I think I may have seen some of his stuff in the past. Or, but he says bad. He said it's underbaked, rehashed, cobbled together from multiplayer parts. Modern Warfare 3 single player campaign is everything a Call of Duty story mode shouldn't be. Them are kind of harsh words there. You know, he goes on to say that... Uh, you know, uh, it's a pale imitation of the past, underbaked story moments. You know, it tries to open up this open combat mission to encourage players' freedom, but it falls flat on its face. You know, he does say the gunplay is great, of course, and the sound design and the graphics are probably all there. But, uh, yeah, it, uh, he. Now, I'm not a developer. I don't know how a developer thinks or whatever, but he says, you know, it's probably a time for them to take a year or two off to try to figure out how to fix this thing, you know. That is some pretty grave words. I did play the beta for a little bit, and the beta was fun. I mean, I had a bunch of old maps, like, I think it's Rust, and then they had that one, uh, it's like that big hunting lodge up on the hill you had to try to take and then I think I saw Fabalo in there it was like a best of Call of Duty maps and multiplayer seemed alright I like the way that uh, you know the perk system was sort of tied to gears like this silver glove right here gave you scavenger you know these boots gave you slider sprint speed things like that the ghillie suit kept you from being tracked on radar you know that seemed neat but you know it just 
They put the games out so fast, they don't give us time to miss them. I remember Call of Duty Modern Warfare 1. I remember the old Call of Duties way back in the day before Modern Warfare. Warfare 1 was game changer. 2 was phenomenal, and I think I played Black Ops more than anything else. And then at that point, it's like I'd take a couple years off, I'd come back to it. I'd take a couple years off, and I'd come back to it. And there was a fellow on Reddit that made a post the other day about it that you can't launch Modern Warfare 3 without Modern Warfare 2. Like, the, the size of the game, all that other stuff, it's, uh, it's just, maybe, I don't know. I can't speak for anybody else, you know, but it seems like if their scores are looking like that, you know, somebody needs to take a good hard look and see what's wrong, what went wrong, you know, how do we not do this thing again? But, like I said, I don't know. I don't make games. I just play them, and I think I'm going to give Modern Warfare a pass this year. I really do. Speaking of Modern Warfare, I've seen recent posts that uh, on the Xbox, that Modern Warfare 3 has a full screen and Microsoft, why, why Microsoft, if they're giving a full screen ad to a game who's got a four on the single player, my goodness, and I had a Series S, but money got tight, and I had to get rid of it, you know, I enjoyed playing uh, the Game Pass games, all the Game Pass games, I guess my most played game on there was the Forza Horizon the latest one that came out, you know, I got every car I could ever want. I beat the story mode and did a little online and stuff like that. I put a lot of hours into that game. I do, I'm a, I enjoy racing games. I have a decent, I don't know if you call it decent race. I have a Thrustmaster T150 four speed back. And uh, my dream is to have a racing cockpit one day because it's I enjoy racing games. I played a lot of Gran Turismo. Other than that, uh, the Game Pass deal, you know, where are all of the games? Where are these great first-party games that Sony has, that it seems like Nintendo puts one out a quarter, you know, what can I get off a modern, or excuse me, an Xbox that I can't get off the PC. Now, I don't have a gaming PC right now because my PC exploded. Uh, my graphic card's going out. My CPU will not run cool. Is I've had a PC for a long time, and I can't afford to upgrade right now to play more PC games. But I could see how the average person who does have access to a PC, there is no reason for them to get an Xbox because most of the games they can get online on the PC. But there's not been any Gears of War. Uh, they, the Starfield seems like, I haven't played it, but it seems mixed or whatever. You know, it's sort of hyped up there at the start, and then there's about two weeks, and then the complaints started coming in, and then you don't hear anything about Starfield anymore. What is it? Redfield? Or was it Redfall? Redfall. You know, look at your reviews on Redfall. Uh, what is Microsoft doing as far as, like, video games? They're not putting anything out 
that makes me want to go and buy a PC game. I was on the fence about about buying an Xbox. Excuse me. I was on the fence about picking me up another one for the uh, new Forza Motorsport that came out because I like racing games. But I saw that you know each car has its own level. You know, you get a level one or something, you can buy new tires, you get a level two, you might be able to get some tin. And then if I had two Honda Civics, you know, I would have to level both of those up independently. Like there's not one level system for two cars. That doesn't seem fun. And I mean, Grand Turismo 7 wasn't no savior either. Look at what they did with, you know, they throw this car up on the market and you had to get this car like it's going to run out of stock like this. I don't know, imaginary stock that they force players to feel like they have to go buy in-game currency to buy this. What are they doing with our racing game? Just give us a game, man. Just trying to do this live service stuff. Tacked on these microtransactions and stuff. There's a lot of times where I can see it working, but with racing games, why? Why, man? I just... I'm, People need a constant steady of revenue coming in from a video game, but they're going about it the wrong way. They really are. As far as those, I think uh, the last thing I'm going to go over is the Microsoft sales while we're talking about Microsoft. I read this article. It's a French article, and I may be butchering the name. I think it's Lutterstreet.com. It says that the PlayStation to Xbox sales in Europe is 80 to 20%. And then in France, it's as close to 90 to 10%. And why? Why is that? Is I think it's the lack of games. I don't see no reason to actually go out and purchase an Xbox right now. There's no system sellers. There's nothing that makes me want to go and buy an Xbox because... Wow, the Game Pass is a really good deal. Game Pass has put me in touch with games that I would have never tried in the past. Like, I'm not going to go out and buy a trucking simulator or anything like that. But being able to download it on Xbox and having a lot of fun with it, I still don't know if I'd go out and buy one. But I had so much fun with it that I would have never played that game without that chance that the Game Pass had given me. Uh, my next part I'm going to go over is my section here before emails is always going to be, you know, what I'm playing currently and what I'm looking forward to. So it's been a good couple weeks of video games. Uh, first off, I would pat myself on the back. I got a platinum on Spider-Man 2. I enjoy the Spider-Man games. Uh, I can't... I wouldn't say it's a perfect game. There's a couple of things about it that bugs me. Um, there is a part in the game. It seems like you do a story mission and then they give you new sad stuff to do. You do another story mission and more sad stuff pops up. But there's a point where I got to the map and the sad quest that popped up where like you get bronze, silver, gold for completing it in this way in a certain amount of time and stuff like that. And then there was several of them that popped up on the map and my heart just sank. You know, I don't enjoy stuff like that. But they did take it easy on us because you don't have to get gold on all of them to get the platinum. So, thank you for that. Uh, 
I appreciate that. The uh, other thing is, uh, I don't go and buy a Spider-Man game to play with Mary Jane. Now, they said the reason they want, you know, Mary Jane in the game is to be able to tell the story from different points of views or some stuff like that. But Mary Jane is very strong. I mean, she is wiping out enemies faster than Miles or Spider-Man is doing it. But every time it gave me control of Mary Jane, my heart sank just a little bit. It's like, let's just get through this so I can get back to the game. You know, it felt like a necessary, de unnecessary detour to get to the parts of the game that I bought, I I bought Spider-Man too. I didn't buy Mary Jane, if I bought a game, Mary Jane, you know, I wouldn't have any want to play Spider-Man because I bought, I don't know, and, uh, but the thing is, like, that game looks beautiful to me, you know, I normally keep the 60 FPS option on, but the uh, fidelity mode was striking in so many ways, the story was top tier, you know, about halfway through the game, when you're building up, or whatever, and the thing happens, that part was wonderful, and had its hooks in me for a while, and I remember my partner coming, she'd miss like a cutscene or something, she'd walk off, she'd come back, and she's like, well, what happened here, what happened there, and I'd explain to her, oh, wow, you know, and it was good, and it was an easy platinum too, uh, 23 hours to uh, get the platinum, so, uh, yeah, I definitely think it's a good game and I don't think it's money I think it's money that was well spent I think it's worth going out and buying the other game is Mario Wonder I enjoy Mario Wonder it, a lot of people say it's successor successor to Mario Land or Mario World Super Mario World uh, a lot of ways I can agree with that statement but I really think that the 3D Mario games are on a different level. I really do. I still haven't beaten Mario Wonder. I think I have like two or three thing like keys left in a way. Quotation mark keys. I'm going to get to it and do it. Usually I do it when my partner has control of the TV and I'm getting kind of bored. And I'm like, all right, well, let's do this thing. I'll grab the Switch and play a couple levels and enjoy it. It's uh Every level just seems different. It's always constantly throwing something new at you. There's things you haven't seen before. Really is a good game. I just, uh, I should, I should finish that. I think I will finish that before the next podcast. I saw a post on Reddit about the Midnight, the Marvel Midnight Suns being on sale. And they're saying that if you haven't tried it or whatever it's time to give this one a try while it's on a deep sale a lot of other users on there got on a comment it was like hey just go ahead and get the upgraded pack so you get all the dlc characters because they are worth it and everything my brother bought me xcom years ago the newer xcom uh enemy within or whatever for my birthday and he told me i didn't notice it 
but when he had mentioned later on that when he bought me the XCOM, it's like I dropped off of the face of the earth. Like, it was tactical games, like small-scale skirmish games that have a lot of tactics in it, or right up my alley. Uh, XCOM 2, uh, I adored that one. My brother bounced off of it, but I think XCOM 2 was sort of an ambush mechanic, like trying to deal that blow as hard as you could. On the very first turn before all the monsters were aware that you was there, I enjoyed it. I don't really care for the time constraints on it. There's always a ticker in the background. And then when you level up something, it's like the enemy levels up in something to sort of counter it. It was still very fun. It hit a lot of points that were uh, special to me. And I saw the Midnight Suns when it came out. And the first thing I noticed, it was like a card battler. And I'm like, Ugh. And then when some of the reviews coming out, they were talking about the bugs and how sloppy the game was put together. And I guess that after patching and stuff like that, people were saying, hey, you sort of need to eyeball this one if you like that. Uh, we understand it's cards, but the way they implement the cards, uh, you just need to try it for yourself why it's going to stop. So, I got it. I got it. I played that game almost eight hours the other day. I have had a blast with it. I do, I don't mind the card system. That was one of my trepidations. The game looks good. The cutscenes sort of, they kind of look rough in a way, but the end game graphics are solid. They really are. Uh, in the tutorial, they're like, all right, do this level one attack or hit this guy with it. This is how you do it or whatever. And it was like Iron Man doing like the blast out of his hands. And when the screen lit up from that special attack, I was like, wow, that is a lot of sparkly colors. Let's use this one. The attacks in that game are so beautifully animated. It keeps me enthralled. And then some of the characters, I'm not the biggest Marvel buff. I like the X-Men. I know the whole, you know, the Spider-Mans and stuff like that. I got the DLC, so I enjoy Deadpool. He has a really funny mission with Blade. Um, I'm looking forward to Venom and Storm. I still haven't got them yet. And I've enjoyed the game. I really have. I do think it's worth, worth it. I have two bugs that I cannot fix in the game right now. I got it for PS5. And... The first bug is my character portrait has disappeared. So, like, when I go to the inventory and I mouse over to the characters I have, his portrait is blank. Not too big an issue until I start to form my party to do a mission, and then I select the guys, and I throw the hunter, they call him, in there. And it looks like I'm running with two characters because one of the portraits is invisible. Not too big a deal. You know, that's not a game-breaking bug. One thing that has drove me up the wall is I get a message. I make my moves, I end my turn, the enemy does the general bad guy stuff, hits me, does a lot of damage, goes back to my turn, I get a tutorial message that says, hey, it looks like you have a combat item equipped. Press the RT button to use the combat item in battle. Uh, it is every turn of the game it hasn't stopped yet i've tried googling a fix 
I've seen other people on Reddit post about it. I haven't figured a way to fix this bug at all. It is, it is grading. It is so bad that I have unequipped all of the combat items just so I don't have to hit the X button every time it's my turn. I, the game has been out for what? Close to a year, over a year, a little less than a year. I'm not entirely sure when the game came out, but why has that simple bug not been fixed? Is it? I haven't found a workaround other than unequipping my items, and there has been a couple times that I couldn't take a support character with me, and I'm really getting beat up on a battlefield, and a combat item could have saved me a lot of hard ache. It really did, but thoroughly enjoying it i'm expecting to play a lot of it tomorrow after i take my dog to the veterinarian and yeah i'm looking forward to playing it i really am uh, uh, things i'm still excited for uh the alan wake 2 i really want to play that i enjoyed alan wake i really enjoyed control it's not it's not groundbreaking to me the graphics were nice the combat was fluid smooth and all that yeah, my brother sings its praises it's not at that level with me but i'm a big fan of horror games so i'm kind of theming for a good horror game and i'm looking forward to playing alan wake 2 uh the metal gear solid collection i want to buy it i've heard that they haven't really done much you know, as far as upselling, you know, it's sort of like, I've heard it described as, it's sort of like you're playing inside of an emulator and you select what game you want to launch and it launches that game and then you go from there. There's not a whole lot of bells and whistles, but Metal Gear is Metal Gear to me. I can't say enough good about it. Mario RPG looks good and uh, the WarioWare uh, Move It, I think it's called. Uh, I want to get it for me and my partner so we can play it at some point. And that's going to be the show today. Uh, the last part of the show, if you guys want to send me emails or there's topics you'd like me to discuss, uh, y'all are welcome to do that at thebigboygamingshow at gmail.com. You can send, you know, your questions, your comments, things you would like to see on the show, things that I shouldn't do on the show. Because, you know, um, grown, it's hard to get people over to do things on a consistent basis. We're all busy with our lives. And, you know, you guys can, you know, relay things that are going on in your life. And I'd be happy to discuss it with you and give you my thoughts and opinions. But, you know, I'm just country boy from the South. So you're going to get what you get. Anyways, this is Big Boy talking for the big boy gaming show i'm looking forward to talking to you guys next week thank you for your time